through this under hour tonight, too. We're going to try to do like last week. Uh, open your Bibles to Jeremiah 29. In fact, before you open your Bible, or put your, put your finger in Jeremiah 29, then let's declare uh, something over this, over this uh, word. Let's declare the word over the word. That's what we're doing. We're declaring the word over the word. The declaration that we're making, it's, it comes out of the Bible. So we didn't pull this out of, our, out of, out of a magic hat or anything. This is out of the word of God. The word about the word. You know what the word says about the word? The word says the word is forever settled in heaven. The word said that about itself. The word said it's forever settled in heaven. The word said it's proven. The word said it's true. The word says it's truth. Amen? The word said it's health and healing to all of our flesh. I can trust his word. The word talks highly about itself. Amen? And I trust his word. Besides that, the word is God. The word is God. Amen? All right, let's do it. This is my Bible. It is the inspired, infallible, immutable word of God. I long for it more than necessary food. I love it, and I'm never offended. I live by it, and I prosper in whatever I do. The word that I'm about to receive will sanctify me, build me up, and give me an inheritance among the saints. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may take your seats tonight. Jeremiah 29, I'm going to go there. We uh, fell upon this this morning, and uh, I was moved to let's target it. Sister Barbara said I was just going to probably let it slip out, but we're not going to let it slip out. We're actually going to target it tonight. Amen. This is our aim. Jeremiah 29, <clears throat> and we're going to read verses 4 through 11. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 11. I want us to really look at the times we're living in, not in a, in a bad light, but in a good light. I told you, I'm, I'm, I've already had enough of talking about coronavirus. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. We can move on. Amen. Let the world keep, keep scaring themselves. <laughs> Praise God. Let the world keep freaking themselves out. Uh, we're we're going to look at what God is doing and what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. All right, Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 11. You have it, say amen. amen. Okay, it reads this way. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are, cap who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray, for the Lord, pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. You got that? Drop down, please, to verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11. For thus says the Lord... After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. 
For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. King James talks about uh, an expected end. Amen? All right, from those verses, I want to, my focus is really verses 4 and 5, where uh, 5 and 6 really, where God says, build houses and dwell in them, plant plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives, beget sons, daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughters to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there, Increase there and not diminished. So I want to talk tonight on a subject, maximizing the moment. Maximizing the moment. Everybody say that. Maximizing the moment. We are in a uh, critical moment, but a very pivotal moment. Does everybody understand what a critical moment is or, or, or a pivotal moment is? You remember I talked... Uh, was it 2018, something called the uh, critical mass? To get you to the tipping point? In other words, there are things that once things in, this, in the business world or in uh, chemistry and the, things like that, once things are in place, critical mass is reached, uh, you hit a tipping point where everything tips over. In other words, you hit a nonstop place. And so what happens is if we look at what's happening around us, in the world, we have, as the body of Christ, reached, I believe, on God's clock, critical mass, where things are about to tip over. And in two ways. One, we are about to see the greatest financial outpouring to the body of Christ. In other words, the wealth of the, of the sinner, the wicked that's been laid up, is now in that transfer time. But secondly, and more importantly, is the time of the coming in of of the harvest, of the souls to the body of Christ. Because the the money is to beautify the house. The money is to make us, uh, help us to be glorious in the eyes of the world. You understand? Where the world can know that there's a, uh, uh, there's a uh, profit in serving God. You know, Bob said to Malachi 3, God said, make sure they know there is profit, P-R-O-F-I-T, in serving God. And the world needs to see the body of Christ in, 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 in a natural glory, but then needs to see the body of Christ in the glory of God, meaning that they need to see the souls come in the, the final harvest comes in before the clock runs out. You understand? So we're at a critical mass time where simultaneously we're going to see those things happen. I mean, you know the Bible talks about it in the book of Joel, too, when it says that this is, uh, it'll come to pass in the last days, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh, right? But it's, if you read it, it says it'll come to pass afterward. So afterward, well, after what? You go back and read the earlier verses of Joel 2. It talks about the financial outpouring that happens for God's people. So we expect these things to happen in, sort of in tandem. You understanding? Y'all understanding me? So we understand that Jesus Christ is coming back a lot sooner than, it, than, than uh, we understand. 
He's not coming back tomorrow, next week, next month. Uh, I don't think he's coming back this year. But we know that he's coming back soon. And, you know, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. So you understand, uh, when I say soon, it could still be 155 years off. That's still soon. You understand? But only thing God needs is for people uh, to get in sync with him to allow him to bring in the financial harvest and the soul harvest. Remember that name? The soul harvest that belongs to the kingdom of God. You got it? So we're in that critical mass uh, tipping point time. All right, so when I'm talking about maximizing the moment, I'm talking about us seeing where we are and not keeping our eyes, not focusing our eyes any longer on all the ruckus. Not focusing our eyes anymore on all the fray and all the chaos and all the confusion, all the stuff, all the scare and all the... Blase, 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 wah, 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 just, just report after report after report, because the more you focus on the report, the more fear grips your soul. Y'all understand that? I'm going to tell you the truth. The more you focus on their reports, the more fear grips your soul. Even the mayor of our city is begging people, stop watching the news 24 hours a day. You tell me, please smile and be happy and, you know, cheer up and everything. Stop watching. The mayor is, 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 you know. So you know if the mayor's asking that, God is asking that. Will y'all please stop watching their report? Will you please start reading my report, which I've already forecast what's going to happen. You don't need to be sitting here in surprise and shock and awe. I'm telling you what's going to happen. So we're getting with him. Okay? Now there, there, there are two phrases that I have been hearing that I, I've simply worn out of hearing, I don't want to hear these phrases anymore, that they keep saying, one, that they say these are unprecedented times, and then they say these are uncertain times. I hear that, you know, in the, in the, you know, the corporate world, everybody, we're all, we're all getting email reminders every day that COVID's out there. If you got, if you've ever signed up in any, any company's newsletter, any company's, you know, if you got a receipt by email, you're getting all of their notices, hey, these are unprecedented times, and everybody's just reminding you COVID is out there. Oh, my goodness. Everybody used that phrase, un unprecedented times. And then the other phrase that, that, that I hear, even from people in the church, in the body of Christ, which is like, oh, my God, these are uncertain times in the body of Christ, uncertain times. And I'm like, how in the world are these uncertain times for Christians? So I did a little digging. And I found out, and I want to prove to you that these are not unprecedented times. Unprecedented means is this has never happened before. I want to show you, and I, I could have given you 20 of them, but just for sake of time, I'm going to give you four. That to prove these are not unprecedented times, Deke. In 1889, and I only went back, I only pulled a few of these. In 1889 to 1890, that's, that's one year. Am I right? Am I counting that right? 1889 to 1890 is one year. I want to make sure. I think it is. It's one year, right? There was a flu pandemic. Caused one million deaths worldwide in five weeks. Although at that time there was no air travel. 
So this is not unprecedented. Not with one million deaths in five weeks with nobody flying all across the, the, the world and across the country. No cruise ships going all over everywhere. Nineteen eighteen to nineteen twenty, that's two years, right? Something called the Spanish flu. It was erroneously named that. It wasn't a Spanish flu. They tried to just like they're trying to call it a China flu. It's not the China flu. But this is what the name it was given, the Spanish flu. An estimated five hundred million people were infected. One hundred million people died. That's two years, am I right? 100 million people died from the Spanish flu. These are unprecedented times. Well, the Asian flu in 1957. How many of y'all were here in 1957? Just a few of y'all? Raise your hand. Don't be scared. How many of y'all were here in 1957? I mean, I was almost here. I mean, good gracious, huh? Pauline, you, you might tell the truth. You were here? No. 58? No. Okay, in 1958, my, my parents, my parents were married January 2nd, 1958. My oldest brother was born November 16th, 1958. So they were here during this time. Pastor in church. 1.1 million deaths worldwide, 116,000 deaths in the U.S. alone. These are not unprecedented times. Can I give you one more? How many of y'all were here in 2009? He was here in 2009, 2009. He raised his hand, okay. 2009 to 2010. H1N1, ever heard of that? I still see signs in the restrooms now about H1N1. The swine flu pandemic, 1.4 billion infections between 151,000, they estimate, because just like now, they can't really tag what it is. They're just trying to put it on that. And 575,400 deaths worldwide. This is only 10 years ago. And somehow... In 2020, this is unprecedented. And these, these stats, you can put them off the CDC, you know, the Center for Disease Control. So it's not unprecedented. What's unprecedented is the stupidity. That's what's unprecedented. It's, it's the idiocracy we formed in America, in the world. We used to be a democracy, now we're an idiocracy. A government that's being operated by idiots. Because this is unprecedented. It's not. Open, just, just go on your own records. And what's happened because idiocracy has prevailed in government, it's created a panic in the people. And so what they did, uh, we've been talking about this, they, they've shut everything down. This is shut down, that's shut down, this is shut down, that's shut down. And, and it, to include the churches. 
Now, that's unprecedented. That for a pandemic, the churches have been closed down. Churches have always been under attack. And this is also an attack on the church. I said this is also an attack on the church. So the next time you hear somebody say unprecedented times, just say, were you here in 2010? (laughs) Will you hush? What's unprecedented is shutting a whole world down at one time for fear. Then, for believers, these should not be uncertain times. So I don't, it just it bothers me that I hear believers, pastors saying, well, in these uncertain times. What's uncertain if you serve the God who knows everything? How can it be uncertain if you serve the God who knows everything before it happens, while it happens, and can tell you what's going to happen after? Who can tell you what's behind everything that you see going on in the earth? Now, I want to show you something here. Uh, Go to the book of Daniel, please. Daniel chapter 2. Because there was a guy, this prophet Daniel, who was living in what we could call, quote-unquote, uncertain times. Quote-unquote. Quote-unquote uncertain times. Y'all remember the prophet Daniel? In Daniel 2, if you're in Jeremiah, just go over a couple books over here to Daniel. Daniel was facing certain death. (laughs) Y'all remember that? Um, I'm going to start reading at Daniel 2 and verse 13. What was happening, Nebuchadnezzar the king this is the, the king of, of, of Babylon, had a dream. He couldn't sleep at night. He, he couldn't sleep. He couldn't rest because of this dream he had. And he went to all his scientists. He went to the World Health Organization. He went to the CDC. He went to FEMA. He went to all his, uh, he had this task force, the Dream, dream Center task force, to tell him what's going on. And they couldn't tell him what's going on. And so he starts killing them. Oh, you, okay, you can't fix this problem? We're just going to kill you. And he started killing them. Y'all see it? Yes. In, in verse 13. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Now, Daniel is the prophet. His companions, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Got it? Verse 14, then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Ariok, ho, 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 wait, 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 wait. The captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is the decree from the king so urgent? What's, what's the matter? What's going on? Why they got to shut everything down? Whoa, 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 whoa. Then Ariok made the decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king interpretation. So notice all the king's wise men, all the king's scientists, all the king's astrologers had no answer for him. Just like science and medicine don't have an answer for them today. But if they'd only listened to some prophetic voices, 
Rather than shut everything down, they should have said, hey, let me, let me find a prophetic voice. And the prophetic voice said, hey, give me some time. Before you shut down the whole economy and put millions and millions of people out of work and bankrupt corporations, oh, give me some time. Let me, let me get you an answer. He says, so Daniel asked, give him some time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Now, when you see Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's their Hebrew names. When they're in Babylon, they gave them Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are the names we know. But their actual born, born names. The mama name them is Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's their government name. Okay? <laughs> so he went to his, to, his, to his homeboys here. That they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Don't let us die with them. We can get weak with this. We know God. Okay? Then, verse 19, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, watch this, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. So God himself alone is powerful and has the authority to say, we're entering a new season. Are y'all catching this? God has announced a new season for us. We have entered a season of vision manifestation. Now when that's announced, the devil hears the announcement and he's going to try to mess things up and get you, get you, you off what God has announced and the season God has announced into, into this season that he's announced. He's announced doom and death and destruction, but don't go with what he's announced. No, God has said this is a time and a season of, of, of abundant of vision manifestation. You got it? So it says, look at verse 21. And he removes kings and raises up kings. Did y'all catch that? He removes kings and raises up kings. So we can expect God in this season to remove some folk and then raise up some new folk in their place. Got it? He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He gives what? Wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Then it says he reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells in him. So these for us don't have to be and they should not be uncertain times. Not when God gives wisdom, not when God gives knowledge, not when God reveals deep and secret things. God can tell us what's going on in laboratories, and God can tell us what's going on in back rooms and board rooms and courtrooms and all these kind of rooms where people are making decisions that are affecting, that are adversely affecting millions of people. Are y'all hear me tonight? So these are not uncertain times for us. We serve a certain God. Who knows everything? Who wants to reveal to his people? If he can find a listening ear, he reveal. Here's what's going on. That's, that's how God has operated for us for the last many years. Everything he's been telling us, he's been whispering. Hey, get, get this ready. Make this adjustment. Make this preparation. Something's coming on the earth. Y'all like y'all haven't been here. 
hey, make this adjustment, change this about your life. Get this ready here. Something's coming on the earth. He's been telling us these things all along. So you and I have access to the wisdom of God. You got it? Praise God. Now look at what happens because Daniel got this wisdom from God. Look at same chapter, verse 46 through 49. This is after Daniel talks to the, to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and reveals what's going on. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face prostrate before Daniel. Huh? What? It's then, then King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a king not over a country, but an empire. This is the Babylonian Empire. Remember your, your books you studied in school? None of y'all remember studying history, world history in school? You studied this Babylonian Empire. You studied them. The Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, the Babylonian Empire. Remember we went through that in world history? And nobody going to say nothing. Y'all, yes or no? Y'all, Pastor, it's been a long time. I was here in 1970, so I forgot that already. We had Brother uh, Mr. Sam Davis. Yes, sir. World history, St. Petersburg High School. Oh, my goodness. Whooped us in the shape with world history. Praise God. You had to read everything. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> look, look again. Look, look back at it. Look at it back. Look at it. The king fell on his face before Daniel. Is that Isaiah 60, verse 3? The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. See, when you and I will refuse to live uncertainly and live with certainty of the word of God, will we allow the wisdom of God to fill our hearts? Well, we don't walk in this darkness that the world walks in People, kings will have to come to us. CEOs will have to come to you. Mayors and governors and presidents and prime ministers will have to come to you. Come on now. Because they're, they're, they, for them it's uncertain and nobody likes to be uncertain. Uncertainty is what causes fear. So when you can walk around here like, hey, I ain't worried, I ain't got nothing. Well, what, what, you, what you know? Well, let me just tell you, you want to know what I know? Here's, what, here's what's about to happen. Well, how do you know that? The Lord said so. <laughs> so he fell prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. What? Y'all just missed that. The king commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. Do you see a wealth transfer? Now, do you understand? I don't want to make sure you understand. Daniel is... A captive. Daniel's not a citizen of Babylon. He's in captivity. We, we'd equate that to a slave. Just like Joseph. With Pharaoh. But when you get the wisdom of God, they can't do anything with it. They, they can't compete. They'll, they'll, God will give you a mouth and a wisdom that your enemy cannot contradict or, or resist. You got it? All right. Verse 47, the king answered Daniel and said, 
Truly, your God is the God of gods. Truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him a new Rolls Royce and a, and a Bentley and a, a Rolex. And Does your Bible say many great gifts? Now, if your mama give you great gifts, you know, you understand. But this is when the king, the emperor of an empire gives you many great gifts. That's a whole different level of gift giving right there. I mean, no offense to your mama, but I'm saying this is when the, when the, when the Babylonian empire king gives you great, what the Bible, the Bible called it, the Holy Ghost is saying this, many great gifts. This is the, the Holy Ghost put these words in there. Many great, that means the Holy Ghost is like, wow. Daniel got set up. He gave him many great gifts. And he made him, watch this, ruler. All because Daniel wasn't living in uncertainty. Ruler over the whole province of Babylon and a chief administrator over all the wise men. Y'all the wise, y'all men, y'all know what y'all talking about. You're going you're gonna to be the, the chief supervisor. We're going to make you the C, CEO. You the COO, you run all this stuff. These guys don't know what they're talking about. Now watch, Daniel is a good brother because he's not going to forget about his friends. Also, Daniel petitioned the king and he, being the king, set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the prince, a, a province rather, of Babylon, Babylon but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So Daniel didn't forget his boys. Remember, we prayed together. Y'all were my prayer partners. I didn't go pray by myself. Y'all were my prayer partners, and the Lord answered us. So I thank God for all my promotion, but I'm not going to forget you. So, hey, king, I need to bring all my, all my, my, my boys up too. Tell your neighbor, don't forget your people. I mean, is that what Joseph did? When Joseph's brothers finally made it to Egypt, didn't Joseph set them up with the best positions in the land? When Pharaoh asked, hey, do you know anybody who can do this? He said, oh yeah, my brothers are best. Oh, okay, okay tell you what, give them the best land. Give them, that, that's how they ended up with Goshen. Because they, they can do what? Okay, give them the best land in Egypt. Are you following me? So God is intent on promoting us right now. Oh, my goodness. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> now, I want you to see something here. Daniel and his friends, again, they're promoted while they were captives. Everybody say captives. captives. So they weren't citizens. They weren't born citizens. They didn't buy citizenship. They were captives. I mean, they weren't even free. And yet, in the midst of that, God is elevating them. They are making the most of their uh, time there in Babylon. Remember, the Bible talks about Daniel later on in, in the book of Daniel. He says, Daniel had an excellent spirit. Just say yes. yes. Daniel had an excellent spirit. 
And the king sought to promote him above everybody in the land because an excellent spirit was found in him. I'm going to try to quote this. I heard this from Dr. Bill Winston years ago. Let's see if I got it right. He said, excellence is the attention to detail that gives way to superior performance that gives rise to promotion in life. That's it. Excellence is the attention to detail that gives way to superior performance that gives rise to promotion in life. So nobody writing it down. What would do you just listen to it later? But I'll say it again. You don't have to write it down. It's too late now. Excellence is the attention to detail that gives way to superior performance that gives rise to promotion in life. So when you're an excellent person, even as a captive, and many times the reason we're not uh, rising, it ain't because of the man. And then I'm not rising because the man don't like me. The man, no man can stand before you, Joshua 1 verse 5. See, if you will be excellent in everything you do, nobody's going to stop you. In fact, if you be excellent, they're going to be looking to, to promote you and raise you up. Because you're the kind of person who they can trust to make sure they don't have any loss in their, in their kingdom or in their company. You, you will keep things in order. So, so many times we're not being promoted because we're not just not excellent. Lazy. Not diligent. Y'all know what diligence is? This, this isn't my message, but I'm, I'm going to sit here. You know what diligence is? Diligence is doing it till it's done. It's doing it, that's, I'm just, that's, that's my simple definition. It's doing it till it's done. And many times, people aren't diligent. In other words, they run into an obstacle. It's like, well, I'll come back to another day. No, diligence says, if I got to stay here a couple extra hours, if I got to lose half a night of sleep, I'm going to get this done. The Bible says a diligent man that's faithful man shall abound with blessing. The diligent hand shall be made rich. See a man excellent or diligent in his business, he'll stand before great men. If you'll be diligent in your business, you'll stand before great men. That means you're not a quitter. You're going to keep going till you get it done, till you get it right. Not till it's well, it's, it's all right. Not till it's all right. Not, not till, well, that's all right. No, no, not till it's all right, till it's right. Because if it's not quite right, then it's not right. A diligent person, I'm going to keep going till I get it right. I'm going to keep troubleshooting. I'm going to keep diagnosing. I'm going to keep uh, go, going through it, making adjustments, whatever. To, okay, no, that's right. That's what diligence is. Daniel was an excellent, the he, he, Bible says an excellent spirit was found in him, excellent spirit, which meant he wasn't excellent on occasion. Some, 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 people, some people try to fool you, be excellent on occasion. Other words, they're going to clean up because somebody coming over. They're going to clean the car out because they're going to give somebody a ride. 
That's that. No, that ain't, that ain't how it works. If, if it's just me by myself. Oh, y'all don't like me tonight. Some, Barbara, you the one made to my preach this, right, didn't you? That was Laquanda. Well, Laquanda, this is on you. Are you, are you hear what I'm saying? What I'm talking about is maximizing the moment. See, you, we, you and I, we've been preaching this for years, but now you can better accelerate your shifting because God has changed the times and the seasons. Y'all just missed what I said. He has changed time and season. This is not a season of increase. This is not a season of, of acceleration. This is now the season of harvest. And if you are not in line with God, if you've not been preparing, you're going to miss this next shift. So you got to already be in your mind, I'm going to be an excellent person. I'm going to be a diligent person, which means I'm that way 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not on occasion. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I mean, some of you, you are, you, you, you God, God's ready for your business to explode, but he can't let you explode yet because you've not gotten the excellence down yet. And if you get out there, explosion, you'll explode with bad. You, you, <laughs> you understand? You, 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 you make the kingdom look bad because you out there now and, oh, you, ugh. And it can't look like that. Well, I got all kind of problems. These fellows were captives. When we say it like that, slaves. They were slaves. They were slave in, slaves in Babylon. In Babylon. In a foreign land. And yet, because they had an excellent spirit. I mean, think about Joseph. Joseph was a slave in Egypt. But every stop that he went, that he arrived at, the Bible says the blessing was working. He, was, he had a different kind of spirit in him. In part of his house, he served faithfully. As a slave, he served Potiphar faithfully. Whistled while he, while he worked. Come on now. And the Bible says that, that Potiphar didn't look to anything in his house. Potiphar put everything in Joseph's hands. I like you. I like how you work. I, you, you know Joseph wasn't Potiphar's only slave. He said, you over everything. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not even checking my books. I put you over the books. Everything except for my wife. You and the wife messed him up, got him on some trumped up charges. Then he ended up going to prison. And he's in prison serving. He's in prison serving. He's in prison with a smile on his face. He's in prison whistling while he works. To the point he runs up one day on, on, the, on the, uh, uh, the baker and the butcher from the king. And they sitting there with these long faces. They say, well, hey, what's wrong with you guys? Did you catch what I said? For him to look at them with their long faces and him to say, what's wrong? That means that's not his attitude. He's in prison with a good attitude. Why? Because he's got this word on his life that what God showed me, even though that's not what I see, I'm not, I won't forget what God showed me. So what you have to do is 
you and I have to do in this time right now is don't look at what we see, is remember what God showed us because what God showed us is the unchangeable thing. What we see is temporary, but what God said is eternal. While we look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen, because the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are unseen, what God showed us, what God has said to us is eternal. And if you give it time, the Bible says until the time that Joseph's word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. If you give it time, then what God showed you will come to pass. But you, but you got you to gotta have that as your uh, attitude adjuster. So he's sitting there in prison. Whistling while he works. Yes, sir. And the prison warden put him in charge of the whole prison. Then it came time, Pharaoh had a dream, and nobody could tell him about his dream either. But we know a guy down there in the prison. I love him down there. He can, he can tell you. And Joseph had to go to the king with a good attitude because you couldn't go before a king with a, with a bad attitude. You couldn't go, go before a king without a smile on your face. They cut your head off. So when they got time to go to the king, the Bible says he shaved himself. Yes, he did. This, this, this beard works in prison, but I can't, go to, I can't go promotion like that. Change his clothes. These clothes will work for prison, but these clothes won't work on the level I'm going to. So everything about him changed about for where he was going. And God took him there, and he gave the dream interpretation everything. And what happened? Same thing. He got promoted as a slave. Are you following this, what I'm saying to you? God, according to Daniel, changes the times and the seasons. And if, if you are not discerning enough to notice the shift in the time and the season, listen to your man of God. He's going to tell you. He's going to tell you. Because your man of God knows that God has shifted the time and the season. So don't be hard-head and hot-head and do your own thing. Listen to what God is saying here, that he's shifted the times and the seasons. Just, he's done exactly what Daniel's told us. You got it? All right, now, now, they're captives. My goodness. Thank you, Lord. Uh, go to uh, the book of Micah. Micah, if you're in Daniel, keep going to the right. All right? Get over to Amos, uh, Jonah. Micah, just before Nahum. You hit Nahum, you went too far to the right. Because I want to show you, remember, they're captives or they're slaves in Babylon, but God can bless you and he will bless you in the middle of Babylon. Are you there? Yes. Micah chapter 4. We'll start at verse 1 and 2. Micah 4 verse 1 and 2 says, Now it shall come to pass in the what? In the what days? Another phrase for last days, latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. Now, I've taught y'all that enough, right? You know what, what this means. And shall be exalted above the hills, and, and peoples shall flow to it. So God is looking in the latter days to raise his kingdom up. In manifestation, we know the kingdom, his kingdom is already over everything. But I'm talking about in the earthly manifestation of God's kingdom to raise his kingdom and the people of his kingdom up above all the other mountains. 
mountain of government, mountain of, of business, mountain of education, mountain of media, mountain of arts and entertainment, mountain of family, mountain of religion. God's looking to raise his people up above that and that other people will begin to flow to it as opposed to God's people who for many years have been flowing to the other mountains. God's people have been flocking to other mountains. I want to go do that. I want to go mix up, mix with that stuff. Tainted the body of Christ. But God's called us to be holy people and to be so stand out, outish, that the world begins to flow to us. You got this? Verse 2, many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion, the law shall go forth and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Got it? Drop down to verse 9 and 10. 9 and 10. Now, why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in your midst? Has your counselor perished? For pains, or pain, P-A-I-N-S, we could also say, have seized you like a woman in labor or like a woman in travail. Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pains or birth pains. Watch this. For now you shall go forth from the city you shall dwell in the field, and to Babylon you shall go. So he's telling them that you're going to go to Babylon. He's, he's, Micah is, is prophetically announcing what's going to happen to them. Now watch what he says, though. There. Now remember, they're in pain. They're in labor. They're going through the travail of, of uh, the, the, the hardship and the pain of travail, of trying to bring things forth, trying to make things happen. And he says, you're going to go to Babylon, and there, in Babylon, come on now, you shall be delivered. He's not saying you're going to be delivered to Babylon. You're going to be delivered in Babylon. In the midst of of what could be the what should be the worst time in your life you're going to be delivered there the lord will redeem you oh my goodness from the hand of your enemies are y'all hearing this tonight he said it's going to be your deliverance and your redemption is going to happen in babylon in other words when you're going to be in a place of what they call uncertainty. I'll show you this here in a minute. When you're going to be in a place of that, that's not comfortable to you, church, in the most uncomfortable time in your generation, church, there you're going to be delivered. Church, you're going to be redeemed in the most uncomfortable time of your generation. Well, I have some news for you. We have arrived at the most uncomfortable, what they call uncertain and chaotic and confusing time of our generation 
But God wants me to tell you that there, that here in this time, we are going to be delivered and the Lord is going to redeem us from the hand of our enemies. Give God a shout about that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. There you shall be delivered. Now they're going through like uh, travail, like, like, like going through pain like a woman in travail. When a woman is in travail, what she's looking to do is be delivered. He said you're going to be delivered there. Or that thing that you've been wanting to bring forth, you're going to bring it forth there. There are some things that you've been wanting to bring forth for years, for five years, for ten years. Vision that God has shown you, prophetic promises that God has given to you. And you're, all right, I'm trying to bring this forth, Lord. He said, don't worry about it. You come to a time in the midst of all the Babylonian confusion that I'm going to cause you to deliver there in the midst of it. And nobody in their right mind wants to go there. And God is saying, I don't want you to go there anyway. There's reasons why you end up there, but even there I'm able to deliver you. Even there I'm able to redeem you. Even there I'm able to save you. Even there I'm able to rescue you. Even there I'm able to bring your vision to pass. Even there I'm able to bring your prophetic word to pass. Even there I will redeem you. Even there I get you out of debt. Even there I get you out of sickness. Even there I get you out of trouble. Even there I'm going to redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Are y'all hearing this? He said, there. So instead of looking like, Lord, what are we going? What's going on in the world today? I don't know. You're going to be looking up for your redemption. In a day now. In a day now. In a day now. In a day now. This, this student loan is going to be wiped out. In a day now. I don't know what's going on. In a day now, this mortgage is going to be wiped out. In a, I don't know what's going on. In a day now, this, this car, I don't know what's going on. Even something's going to happen. <laughs> oh my goodness he says there you should be delivered in other words God will cause you to produce in the middle of chaos he's going to cause you to produce in the middle of chaos it's not time for us to be drawn back ladies and gentlemen it's time for us to be pushing forward when you want to deliver a baby you don't draw back I've never been through it but I've seen it happen you don't draw back you push more than you ever have pushed in your whole life. Tell your neighbor, there's no, no time for drawing back. In fact, you know, the, you know your Bible says God has no pleasure in those who draw back. So we can't be drawn back right now. Oh, but I'm so, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. All the company's shutting down. That, what they got to do with you? That has nothing to do with your, with your redemption, with your deliverance. Because he said it's going to be in Babylon that these good things are going to happen to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You remember I taught you this message back here about a month ago on how to be fruitful in a famine? Remember Genesis 26 about Isaac sold in a famine? And I gave you this word fruitful, some synonyms for the word fruitful were effective and profitable, successful, useful, gainful, plentiful, reproducing, rich, 
well spent. Y'all remember that? Then we look at this one verse over here in, in the Passion Translation, Proverbs 12 and verse 27. I just want to remind you of this. I want to remind you of this so you understand where you are here. Lord, help me with this time. A passionate person makes good use. Huh? A, a, pass, a passive? Yeah, okay, well, I'm reading the end of it. A passionate person makes good use of his time, wealth, and energy. And I told y'all back then, I said, now everybody all of a sudden got a lot more time on their hands. Y'all remember that? That's just been a month ago. This is before everything really shut down, shut down like it is. I said, you're going to have a lot, of, lot more time on your hands. And I said, and their government's talking about giving everybody money. Now, I happen to know because I'm one of the recipients that money already started rolling in. They direct my deposit our money in our account this week. So praise the Lord. I ain't going to turn it down. I'm not sending it back. I mean, I wasn't asking for it, but I ain't sending it back. I ain't no fool. Matter of fact, let me go and move it so you, you can't get it back. <laughs> make sure y'all don't make no mistake now. <laughs> so, so now we have a lot more time, an infusion of little wealth. There's a little, little wealth that they sent to us. And our energy, so we have to make good use of it. So I'm reminding us that our subject tonight is maximizing the moment. All right, now, go back to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Because God isn't surprised by what's going on in the world today. Because in the midst of it all, God has a perfect plan for his people. You hear what I said? He's not surprised. And he has a plan. What's going on is, was not the plan. His plan is what caused this to go on. Did you catch what I just said? What's going on was not his plan. His plan caused. See, the devil, the devil knows because the devil, it, God didn't tell the devil his plan. God told his people his plan. Well, his people, we've prophesied it. That's how the devil found out God's plan. God doesn't share his secrets with the devil. They're not on the same team. But he shares his secrets with his servants, the prophets. Amos 3, verse 7, right? So then when we prophesy, you prophesy, then the devil, oh, oh, that's what, that's what God's got planned. So he's got to bring some kind of chaos, confusion into the earth to try to stop and thwart God's plan. But he, we can't be stopped. <laughs> I said we can't be stopped. All right. So let's look at this here. Jeremiah 29 and verse <clears throat> 4. Again, says, thus says the Lord of hosts. We know the Lord of hosts now. That's the God of angel armies. Now, we, I've taught you and showed you through scriptures time ago that this, this is a God of financial transactions. Whenever you see Lord of hosts in any scripture, you see some sort of major uh, transaction that happens in the financial realm or where uh, Lord of hosts the word host is uh, Saba, I think is what it is. It's a lord of war. So we just know just from history that whenever there's a war, somebody gets spoils 
So when you see the Lord of War, he's going to go conquer something and then give it, take the spoils. You understand? So that's how we know a Lord of Financial Transactions. Okay? So notice something good is going to happen when the Lord of Hosts says something. It says, the God of Israel to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now notice they were carried away from where? Jerusalem to where? Now the word Jerusalem, you probably would have never thought to look this up, but I just said, let me look it up. Yerushalim, which, which means teaching of peace. Yerushalayim, which means teaching of peace, which uh, I'm going to put it in a, in a phrase that most people in the church don't want to hear, prosperity preaching. This is what it is. Yerushalayim, it's the teaching of, and if you were to look that Shalim up, it's the covenant of peace. It's teaching you the covenant. So the name Jerusalem means teaching of the covenant of peace. You and I have the covenant of peace. That word, we, we, the word we know, uh, Shalom or Shalom, we know the word Shalom. Well, Shalom comes from this Shalom. What does Shalom mean? It's, it's wholeness, it's soundness, it's nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Shalom, peace. It's everything good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's, everything it's, it's a Hebrew word for perfection of everything. Yes, everything. Got it? Yes. So Jerusalem is a teaching of prosperity or the teaching of peace. So they were carried away from. Y'all missing it. They were carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. They left the teaching of peace and went to Babylon. Babylon is the word, it's the Hebrew word Babel, which means confusion by mixing. Remember the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11? It's confusion. So Babylon means confusion by mixing. It's the confusion caused by mixing, trying to mix systems, trying to mix teachings, trying to mix understanding. <laughs> so they went from God teaching them prosperity to getting mixed up with other gods, other doctrine, other teaching, and ending up in confusion. This is what the church looks like. Whereas the church has left God's teaching on how to prosper. God's teaching us that if we just depend on him, in all of our ways acknowledge him and he'll direct our path. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. The church has left that to, well, let me just go out here. And because I learned, they told me you just use other people's money. They taught, the, the church began to get over into science and what the medical field says about stuff. And left God's teaching on, oh, divine health. The word is health and medicine to all my flesh. I'm the Lord that healeth thee. See, that's the teaching of prosperity. That's God's covenant. You understand the Bible says we have a covenant of life and peace? 
Come on, y'all. We have a covenant, the Bible says, of life and peace. The Bible says we as Gentiles, we used to be aliens to the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. But we have been brought nigh by the blood of Jesus. So now every covenant that God had made with the children of Israel, with, with Abraham, is now for us. But the church has left that for, well, you know, if you got this and you know this little um, issue in your mind and you can't think straight, go to the people, you know, they'll give you a little something that'll call you, calm you down, a little thing to help you maintain your, your, your hormonal level to make sure you ain't crazy. We left, uh, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on me. Uh, Y'all don't like this part, I know. See, we, we, the church left that and got carried away to Babylon. They left the teaching of covenant and ended up in a place of confusion. See, this Babylonian system is a no-faith system. Did you hear what I said? The Babylonian system is a no-faith system. It's buy and sell based on what you can, you can afford. And if you can't afford it, you borrow for it. That's the Babylonian system. You buy and sell based on what you can afford. And if you can't afford it, you borrow for the rest of it. Oh, my goodness. Y'all okay? Y'all got quiet here in this Baptist church. This, this, it, it's, 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 it, the Babylonian system at least has its own, its own way of operating, has its own language. In fact, put, put Daniel chapter 1 and verse 4 on the screen, please. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 4. Remember we were talking about Daniel? And Hebrew, the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember when they first came, uh, the Bible says uh, the king told them, go out and find some young men in whom there's no blemish. Find some of them good-looking uh, Hebrew boys, uh, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. He said, and whom they might, or we can teach them the language and literature of the Chaldeans. That's Babylon. So find some of those Hebrew boys who they've been walking by faith all this time. They've been leaning on their covenant all this time. We want to teach them our language and our literature. We want to teach them how we do things over here in Babylon. Get them to forsake their God, forsake their faith, forsake their covenant, and live off of this. But they ran into the wrong ones because Daniel and his, his friends said, we ain't going to do that. We, we don't want your wine. We don't even want your meat. Let us eat what the Lord tells us to eat for 10 days and let's see how we come out. Then the king in chapter 3 got mad because he put out a decree. He put out his image, bow down to my Babylonian image. And he said, anybody don't bow down, I'm going to put you in this fire. And these boys said, we ain't going to bow to no image. Our knees bow to the most high God. Turn your fire up seven times. We don't even care. We're not going to bow down to God we serve because we walk by faith. The God we serve is not, is not going to let us die in this fire. Throw us in or don't throw us in. We're not going to bow. And what happened because these boys walked in faith? Remember their covenant? When they got thrown in a fire, the same fire that was supposed to kill them, killed the men who threw them in. And no, here they are. They went in bound, deep, but here they are now walking around loose in that same fire because they didn't switch to the Babylonian system. They remain in God's covenant, Jerusalem covenant. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you here? 
And the dangerous thing the devil tries to do to the church is to get the church to leave the covenants of God, to leave faith and do everything by your paycheck. That's the Babylonian system. Do everything by your paycheck. And, and if you don't, don't have a good enough check, what the Babylonian system will do is we'll give you a little check. Watch out for this tricky system right going on right here right now. We'll give you a little check so you don't say anything. Even to the churches. Churches, you want a little check? We'll give y'all a little check for y'all shutting down. Y'all ain't said nothing. <laughs> we'll give y'all a little check. We'll give y'all, give y'all a nice, nice little chunk of change. Just, just, just shut down and shut up. I got news for you, Mr. Government Man. I don't want your check. Don't need the check. We have faith. If faith won't get it, I don't want it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I said if faith won't get it, I don't want it. All right, so you're in, in Jeremiah 29, right? Go back to Jeremiah 29. All right. Yeah, I'm going to stay with Jerusalem. The teach, I'm going to stay with the teaching of peace. You look it up. Some of y'all have your little, your little iPads. Your little, you can look it up yourself. I'm not making it up. It just it says right there, Jerusalem means teaching of peace. That's what it means, teaching of peace. Thank God for us living in having a Jerusalem church where we teach peace. It's so hard to get along. No, that ain't our teaching. That's Babylonian teacher right there. Around here, we teaching all the teaching of peace. Glory to God. God is able to do exceeding abundant above all we can ask or think. Teaching of peace. <laughs> all right, now. I was sharing with the group this morning that uh, back on uh, March 27th, I was sitting there meditating talking to the Lord, and, and he gave me these words he, for me. He said, to seek wisdom from God on how to take advantage of opportune times. To seek wisdom from God on how to take advantage of opportune times. Are you hearing me? And we're talking about maximizing the moment here. So what you and I need to be doing right now, instead of twiddling our thumbs, instead of sitting on our hands, is seeking God on how to maximize or how to take advantage of opportune times. This is an opportune time. Yes, sir. You and I ought to be as excited or more excited than we've ever been in our whole lives. <laughs> Remember the night before I got married, how excited I was. The, the morning of, how excited I was. Nervous and excited, nervously excited. Not nervous like what am I about to get into, but nervous like, wow. It's really happening. This is really happening. Are you you hear what I'm saying to you? That's how you and I, if we're sensitive to the Holy Ghost, if we're sensitive to God's shift of time and season, we ought to be saying, This is really happening. Oh my God, this is really happening. This is this is what, what we've been praying for for 20 years. It's really happening. What we've been fasting for, what we've been confessing for 20 years, it's really happening. It's right here upon us. Not looking at what the world is doing, not looking at, I mean, and we're sympathetic to what the world is going through, but understand that, that we, we understand that God has called us to something, and we've got to keep our eyes focused on what God's doing. 
In fact, if we do what, what, if we do what God is calling us to do in this season, we're going to be a help to those in the world who are going through what they're going through. Glory to God. So it's time for us to increase in every way. Now, in Jeremiah 29, they're already in Babylon. Now, you notice we've read from Micah. Notice we've read from Daniel. They're all talking about the same stories. Most of, the, most of the prophets you read from the book of Isaiah all the way down to, to Malachi, they're talking about the same time period. You got it? Okay. So here we are. In verse 4 we read, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem. Teaching of prosperity to the old Babylonian system. Verse 5. Now remember we're maximizing the moment. Here's what God says. Build houses and dwell in them. <laughs> Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. So what I want you to see here is that God is showing mercy to his people in the midst of Babylon. Now, how, what do you mean mercy, Pastor? Deuteronomy 28, verse 30 on the screen. Media will do it. Deuteronomy 28, verse 30. Now, they're in Babylon because they're in, they got into some, some trouble. But watch God's mercy upon them because even though in, they're in trouble, he's not forgotten his promise to them. They're going through something, but God has not forgotten that promise to them. Just like when they, they were in Egypt, God never forgot his word to them. You got it? Deuteronomy 28, verse 30 says, you shall, betr uh, okay, you shall betroth the wife. I'm surprised he betrothed in New King James. <laughs> you shall betroth the wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but shall not gather its grapes. This is the curse. Remember we showed you that last week. This is the curse. Now God tells them, build a house and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat their fruit. So that means I'm not, you're not under the curse. You're in a situation, but I'm still going to bless you in the midst of Babylon. Because my word to you was that in Babylon you shall be delivered. In Babylon I shall redeem you from the hand of your enemies. So even though you're in the midst of all the chaos, see you and I, even though we're in this world, not of this world, we are still right now affected in some small ways by what's going on. You and I, if, if nothing more than you and I can't go sit down and eat on Sunday. <laughs> I want to go sit down at Grand Hacienda, man, eat me something. But you can't even go do that right now. Because you can't. So we're affected some kind of way. But even though we're in this, in the midst of all this, you and I still have a divine command and a divine blessing from the Lord to build houses, plant gardens, and eat from them. So the curse is not going to operate in our lives. The blessing is operating in our lives. Y'all got this? Now notice what he says here again. He says in verse, verse 5, he said build houses. Everybody say build houses. What? Build houses? This ain't the time to be building no house. Wait, this is Babylon. They're captives. And God has the nerve to say build a house. 
Build houses. In other words, God said, I'm going to empower you to do this. You know, the Bible says, except the Lord, that's Psalm, I think, uh, 124, something like that. What, what is it? 124, something like that. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain who build it. So God's going to help them build a house. So he's saying here that when you build a house, I've got a plan for you in the midst of your confusion. Now listen to this. In Proverbs 24, verse 3, they can put it on the screen for us. I'm, I'm out of time. Proverbs 24, 24, verse 3 says, through wisdom, a house is built. Psalm 127. Through wisdom, a house is built. So for him to tell them to build houses means he's going to make some wisdom available to them. To build a house, can I, can I interpret that for you? I want you to have some stability in the midst of Babylonian confusion. You better grab a hold of that. That while the whole world is reeling and rocking, while the whole world is in confusion, for my people, I'm going to establish you and give you stability when there's, when there's confusion all around you. So I'm telling you, build a house, and I'm going to give you the wisdom on how to get yourself established. <laughs> Do you understand God wants to establish you? When you're established, when you're established, when you're built on a foundation, let all the winds blow, you ain't going nowhere. Let all the floods come, you ain't going nowhere. You're, you are built on a rock, and that rock is the word of God. So build your house. Pastor, you telling me to go call a contract to build a house? I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, God's trying to get you established in life. In the midst of all the confusion, he's trying to establish you. Get you he's trying to strengthen you, trying to settle you. Get you some roots down. I ain't going nowhere. I, ain't, I, ain't, I don't have to move to Atlanta to make it. I don't have to move to Atlanta to make it. I don't have to move to Georgia to make it. I don't, I don't have to go to New York to make it. No, I can make it right here. I'm going to build a house right here. I'm going to finally put some roots down. I'm going to grow up real fast. Somebody here, you're about to grow up real fast. This is what you do when you grow up. You build a house. No more children in the body of Christ. Children don't build houses. The grown-ups build houses. Y'all better catch what I'm saying to you here tonight. So God's going to empower you to do this. Build houses. Then he said plant gardens. Plant gardens. Everybody say plant gardens. Well, what does it mean by plant gardens? He said plant gardens and eat their fruit. What he's telling us is to sow and produce for yourself. Plant gardens means to produce for yourself. One of the things a lot of people are saying right now in this, in this economic time is, I mean, you need to plant some gardens in your backyard. If you got a backyard, plant some gardens. <laughs> if you can get you some chickens, put some chickens back there. I, was, I had them going one day. I told them we might, might have to get us a couple, couple uh, heads of uh, cattle and put them on the back lot back here or something. <laughs> Keep us some meat around here. <laughs> right? Plant gardens. That means produce for yourself. Can I, can, can I go a little more on this? In other words, become self-sufficient. So you never have to lean on the government or the Babylonian system again. Now, remember, if they don't build a house, if they don't plant gardens, they got to depend on the Babylonian system around them. So he says, right in the midst of all this, I want you to plant your own garden. That way, now if he, if he see if God tells you to plant a garden, 
He's going to make your garden grow. <laughs> Y'all miss what I'm saying. If God tells you to plant a garden, if God tells you to start a business, if God tells you to launch a new career, he's going to make it grow. Y'all still ain't catching what I'm saying to you. He's going to make that thing grow so fast that you will now become self-sufficient. I don't mean independent of God. I'm talking about where you don't look to the government for your help. You don't wait on that next check from no stimulus check from no government. You're not waiting on, on somebody else to give you a job. No, you plant a garden, you're making a job. Y'all better catch what I'm saying to you. Plant a garden, you're making a job. He said, and eat their fruit. Part of the curse was, you remember Proverbs, we, we saw Deuteronomy 28, that you'll plant gardens, plant vineyards, and can't eat its fruit. But he's saying the curse ain't going to be on this. I'm going to bless you. If I tell you to plant a garden, I'm going to make sure it grows. So produce for yourself. Tell your neighbor, it's time to produce for yourself. It's time to become independent of the world system. Now, you can do that and start a business, but you can do that sowing financial seed. Y'all said something. That's what my wife and I, that's what we know. If, if it hadn't been for all the seeds we sown in, the, in all these last 20 years, 15 years of walking by faith, I don't know how we make it right now to this day. When all this mess started hitting, I start saying, God, I thank you for all the seed you told us to sow last year. I said, God, I think because we sold major seed like we never sold in our lives last year. And I'm thinking that that seed that we've sown into your kingdom to make sure people were, had their needs met, to make sure we helped ministries, to make sure we did things all over the world. Thank God that now we can sit back and just, God, I thank you that the harvest will carry us through all this mess. <laughs> so watch what happens. When you plant gardens, you produce for yourself. But if you're wise, you'll grow from there. Because if I plant a garden, Deacon Robert, and I get a little small crop, that's enough for me and my family. But I can take the seed that comes from that fruit, and I can plant more than a garden. I can plant a vineyard or an orchard. I can plant a field. And now, rather than just having enough for me, oh, no. I have enough to take care of everybody. Are you hearing this here? Proverbs 31, verse 16, remember that virtuous woman? It says, she considers a field and buys it. From her profits, from something else. Come on now, this, this is the real woman here. From her profits from something else, she plants a vineyard. She's already doing something that produced profits that now she uses that, buys a field and plants a vineyard. Now she's just, she's exponentially growing. This woman is industrious. Now she ain't depending on any on government and let everything shut down. No, God's already got me over here. <laughs> All right, let me finish up here. Let me finish up. So somebody, it's time for you to start planting your gardens. Tell your neighbor, it's time to plant a garden. Tell them what you sow 
that shall you also reap. God never wants you depending on that Babylonian system again. Well, you gotta you gotta buy and sell based on a budget, or you gotta borrow just to get along. No, the blessing will work on you. The blessing will work on you. Proverbs ten twenty two: the blessing will do what? Make you rich and add no sorrow with it. You got it. Last one, verse six. Verse six. I could keep going, but I'm gonna just go through verse six tonight. Verse 6 says, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and your daughters. Uh, give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. Now, notice he says here, take wives. Can I talk to the business people in here? A wife is a partner. A wife is a partner. So for some of you, the next season that we've entered into to reach the maximum of where God's calling you to, it's probably too big for just you. Which means you may have to open yourself up to taking a partner of like precious faith. Equally yoked. In agreement. Shared vision can access both access wisdom from God. So when you take a wife, notice he says, take wives and beget sons and daughters. So without the wife, you can't get the son or daughter. Y'all better catch that. Without sometimes, without to, <laughs> to get the partner or to get the produce, you need a partner. Oh, you follow what I'm saying? Now, I may just be talking to a couple of business owners in here. But you may have to open yourself. I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just saying, you, you remember, you're talking to getting this wisdom from God. You're letting him teach you how to do this here. Same thing going to happen in the, in the area of, of winning souls here in these last days. That's where networking comes from. That, that one church can't do it. One ministry can't do it by itself. That we got to take on partners. Remember when the, when the boat singing load came into Peter? If he hadn't called his partners, they would have lost all the load of fish. Fish always represents money and souls. They would have lost all those souls. Jesus, remember they got off and Jesus said, hey, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So in these last days, we're going to have to partner with other ministries of like precious faith, equally yoked, same vision. So we can beget sons and daughters. I tell my wife this. I tell my wife this. <laughs> This is not necessarily a partnership, but this is, it, it, it could turn out that way. I told her, all these churches that shut down, look like they just, they're just trying to stay shut down, where we can open, the governor wants us open, the mayor wants us open, and they just shut down. I said, you know what, I'm tempted to call and ask these churches, can I, can I rent your building? 
mean, if you're not going to use it, if, if you're not going to use the building, in order to get the harvest of souls in that we need in these last days, my building ain't going to do it. This building ain't going to do it. But you got some big buildings sitting there empty, vacant. You follow what I'm saying? Now you got you to find somebody who's willing to partner with you and say, yeah, we ain't going to use it, so let me let you use it. I provide the building, you provide the preaching. Whatever, so that we can beget sons and daughters. And then it says, take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. In other words, you create multi-generational, multi-level, increase. Business, multi-level management. In, 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 uh, in salvation, this is called discipleship. This is discipleship. I raise up people to follow Christ. They raise up people to follow Christ. I beget sons and daughters. They beget sons and daughters. Paul told Timothy, he said, the things I've taught you, he said, commit these things to faithful men who can teach other people also. That's how it, you, you, you perpetrate this. You just keep duplicating Now, what's the point of all this? Here's what God says, and then we can go on home. That you, in the middle of Babylon, in the middle of all the confusion, in the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of all the freaking out and panicking, that you, my people, may be increased there and not diminished. You see God's plan? That in the midst of confusion and chaos all around us, he means for us to increase and not diminish. Oh, Lord, we worried about, you know, everything going on. We're not going to be able to pay all this stuff. That's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God. Not if you, not if you listen to God. Not if you follow God. Not if you follow God. Well, people are worried. People, they... Going home, people, church folk going home, and you know, they streaming, they never coming back to the church. Not if we keep winning souls. You know, this is the most prime time in our generation to win souls. Do you know the people are, I mean, it's like right now, you, you, y'all, y'all know what low hanging fruit is? Low hanging fruit means you just reach right up there and grab it. There's so much low hanging fruit out there now. We just almost just say, boo. All right, I'm going to get saved. I'm going to get saved. <laughs> what must I do? You know what I'm saying? So God wants us now to increase and not diminish. In your life, personally, increase and not diminish. See, but you and I got to stop twirling our thumbs, not sitting on our hands, not keeping our mouths shut. Open our mouths and speak so that in the middle of all the Babylonian confusion, we maximize this moment that we're living in and see the increase. Amen? Can I read two more verses? Put them on the screen real quick. Help everybody out. Do the, uh, same book, Jeremiah 30. Jeremiah 30 now, verse 18, 19. I'm just going to read these to you. Watch this. Jeremiah 30, verse 18, 19. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents. This is God saying, well, this is all over. This is what he's going to do. And have mercy on his dwelling places. The city 
shall be built upon its own mound, and the palace shall remain according to its own plan. I'm getting you out of all that Babylonian junk. Then out of them, that's you, Zion, the people of God, shall proceed what? That's how we're going to come out of all this mess. And the voice of those who make merry. Watch what God says. I will multiply them and they shall not diminish. I will also glorify them and exceeding grace shall not be small. The body of Christ shall not be small. You and your outreach shall not be small. God's got big things planned for you. He's got great things planned for you. He's going to bring many great things into your life. Don't worry about the confusion all around here. Put your trust and your hope in God. The covenant of peace we have with him. And watch it go increase according to Psalm 115. Psalm 115 verse 14 says, the Lord's going to increase you more and more. You and your children. So you shall not be diminished. But you and I have to maximize this moment that we're living in. Take full advantage. When you get up every day, we've already asked the question, Lord, who are you? And every day is, Lord, what will you have me to do? What do you want me to do today, Lord? What do you want me to do? I'm maximizing that wisdom that I need to increase, to grow, to advance the kingdom of God. This is our hour. This is our hour. You understand? It's God's time. And we're in sync with him. Praise the Lord. Do y'all receive that tonight? Well, let's get on your feet and give God a hand of praise for that, for the word of God tonight. That's come to your heart. Come on, you can do better than that. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Maximize the moment. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let this moment Pass me by. I'm not going to miss what God's doing in this hour, in this season. You got it? Lord, tonight, thank you so much again for the time in the word. Thank you for your divine plan for your people. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan to give us a future and to give us a hope, to give us an expected end, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, plans to do us good, not to do us evil, O oh God. Thank, Lord, we thank you that, God, your plans cannot be stopped by the enemy, by no force in hell, no force uh, on the earth. No man can stop you. No man can stop us. And so thank you, Lord, for this great time of opportunity for us to increase in every way, spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, God, socially, to increase. Thank you, Lord. That's the time for the church, the church at large to advance, the church at large to increase, for souls to come in from the north and the south and the east and the west, for us to gather, Lord, to, to, to throw out that cast net, Father, and pull in fish of all kinds, according to your word. You said that's, that's what happened in Ezekiel 47. You said fish of all kinds, all kinds coming to the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that the kingdom will be filled, Lord, with black fish and white fish and red fish and, and yellow fish and brown fish, God. Thank you, Lord, that the kingdom will be filled with all kind of fish from everywhere, Lord. Come into the kingdom of God. Such a time as this. Thank you, Lord, that of all who come to you, you will no wise cast out. That, God, that people will walk in uh, true discipleship. That we will not be content in this last generation to be just members of a church but to be true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, accepting 
your kingdom, accepting your word, accepting your teachings, and advancing your kingdom, advancing your teachings in the earth, oh God. That's what a true disciple is. That God, as disciples, we lay down our own lives. We lay down our own lives. We don't love our lives to the death. We love you more than anything. And I pray that each person, under the sound of my voice, will lay their lives down for the kingdom of God. That, Lord, that you can use us in these last days. Use us. Increase us financially, Father. So the people out there who are in trouble, they're in need. Lord, we, we used to just talk about ministering to single mothers and single dads, but God, today, so many more are in trouble. <laughs> God, it's not limited to this, just that. It's all kind of people are in financial trouble, Father. Never seen it before, never known before what it's like to not have any income. But God, because you strengthen our hands, we're able to be a blessing to people and help meet needs and provide for people. Thank you, Father, for the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives. That when people are sick, when people are infirm, that we can lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. That we can cast out devils, those devils that are causing confusion and misery and, and depression. Suicidal thoughts that, God, we can cast out those demons that are torturing the minds of people everywhere. Thank you, Father. That, Lord, do we have the promise that even if we drink something deadly, something poisonous, it won't harm us. So we know that no virus can destroy us. No virus can attach itself to, to us, God. No matter what kind of stories they want to tell us about preachers dying and people in church folk dying from the virus, that, Lord, no, no, no. We keep our faith on you and in your word, oh, God. That you will let no plague come near our dwelling. And so we thank you, Father, that we are totally cared for. We love you tonight. And thank you, and we pray that your wisdom will just come just, uh, bound in our hearts so that we can do all that you call us to do in these last days, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Put those hands together one more time and give God a praise for the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Maximize the moment.